Welcome to the Aussie Racing Edition of the Breakdown Podcast. Breaking down the issues in cycling with journalist Jamie Finch-Penninger, specialised writer Kate Perry, and Avanti Isoways Neil Vanderplug. Yes, hello and welcome. Unfortunately, there's no Kate Perry and there's no Neil Vanderplug today, but in their place we have Tim Guy from Attacky Team Gusto. G'day, thanks for having me on board and trying to replace these two characters. Well, they're of course irreplaceable, but uh, we, shall not, we shall still soldier on. And uh, yeah, thanks for being here and filling in. For those of you that don't know Tim, maybe you could do a quick intro of yourself. Yeah, all right. Well, my name is Tim Guy. I'm living in Albury. I'm actually Neil's housemate. So that's sort of the connection there. So it's always a bit of a fun time living with Neil. He comes up with some crazy sort of antics. I've been racing with uh, Search to Retain over the past three years and then have transitioned with them across to the attacky team Gusto. So it's just a little bit of a little bit of a rundown. Um, as you know, on the podcast, we only have winners. So Tim was able to jump into that circle the other the other week with a win in the uh, Tour de Filipinas, which is the main the main cycling race in in the Philippines, and uh, yeah, Tim took took the win on the final stage there. Yeah, managed to get the win on the final stage, which was uh, pretty exciting. Came down to uh, everyone was together with about five k to go, and Cam Bailey, my teammate, he came up and said, "Look, if you've got anything left, don't be afraid to hit them." So I went one more time and managed to hold them off. So it was a bit of an unexpected victory, but uh, very sweet. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to you got to do it solo. So that's that's what all the that's what everyone hopes for when you you get a bit of a chance to save the crowd at the finish line, put the arms up, and do a proper salute. Yeah, you get the chance to zip up the jersey. It feels pretty good. You always see the the pros zipping up the jersey, and uh, yeah, when you get the chance to sort of look around, like, oh, I've got enough time to actually zip this right up, and make sure the sponsors are happy, and throw their hands up in the air. It's a pretty special experience. Yeah, and the new team, how's, how's all that working out? I mean, you've merged, well, Search to Retain merged essentially with the attacky team Gusto squad from uh, last year. And so it's basically a half Taiwanese, half, half Australian team in the end. Yeah, so the team's actually based out of Taiwan. So it's a Taiwanese-based team. Uh, Search to Retain sort of are the, the owners of the team and attacky and Gusto are just sponsors now on board. So yeah, it's been it's been a really good transition so far. We've got a couple of Taiwanese guys. They're actually uh, Frank and Lou are actually about to race the Tour de Taiwan, so they're uh, both in the national squad there. So it's been a nice little experience to meet a few of those guys. And so far, the team's been kicking some great goals as well. With Ben Hill in the in the uh, Sun Tour grabbing the green jersey, and then a few good results in the Philippines. So hopefully, uh, the year carries on in that way. Well, now we've got to just keep on with the rest of the podcast. So stick with us and we'll come back with the tour of East Gippsland. Okay, and we're back. Um, it was the tour of East Gippsland over the weekend and it was a win overall in the men's for uh, Joe Cooper, the New Zealand New Zealand champ, who he came away with a you know, two two stage wins in the overall. I mean, he's just a he's just a powerhouse on the bike, isn't he, Tim? He, you you see him, and he's just grinding away in a massive gear the entire time, and he's just yeah, an absolute powerhouse. He certainly is. You can imagine being on his team would be quite a nice experience when you see him getting on the front and uh, really driving it. Uh, Neil was saying that Joe had to do quite a bit of work himself to sort of preserve that jersey and was. Uh, definitely showing some of his form so yeah if, if you're on his team i'm sure it's great but if you if you're not 
Uh, he certainly strikes fear whenever he's moving towards the front or going off the front. Yeah, I remember when he essentially obliterated the peloton um, on Grafton to Inverell where he just um, hopped on the front on that big climb and just did this, did it solo all the way up to the top and you know decimated the field, blew um, Charter Mason who were competing for the team's NRS at the time and just blew them straight yeah, blew them off the back and they stood no chance and ended up, you know, quitting that race because they just got demolished by a superb effort from Joe Cooper. So yeah, obviously a lot of power there. Uh, he took the win on the stage one TT, which was a short TT with um, Sean Lake, the ever improving Sean Lake coming in second there and uh, Chris Hamilton coming in third. And then it was a repeat of that on stage two, which was the road stage, and saw uh, Cooper escaping late to win that one um, solo. And Cyrus Monk leading home a bunch of about 10 or 15 or so uh, in the sprint. Now, Cyrus is a, he's a really good young rider. Um, he's, what, 19 years old now, and he's gone across to Pat's Veg from uh, the VIS, and now he's looking... He's look. Oh no, not VR. Sorry, African Wildlife Safaris, and he's yeah. He's looking like he could be somebody who's who's going to be a really talented rider in the future. Have you come across him, Tim at all? Uh, only in the racing. I haven't actually had anything to do personally with him, but uh, watching him on the bike and sort of seeing the results he's got, he's definitely a rider that's got quite a lot of class and and by the looks of things, a fair bit of uh, room to improve as well. So. Yeah, I mean, he does a bit of everything as well. Though. I mean, he climbs, he sprints, and you know that's. That's what you need to win a lot of bike races. So, yeah, and uh, he beat Chris Hamilton in the sprint. So, you know, under 23 uh, road champ, you know, beating him isn't, is no main feat. It has shown that uh, he's had some great performances in all of the races that he's done at the start of this year. So he's had quite a few race starts already and he's just continuing to show that he is someone that's really going to be, uh, yeah, he's going to be someone to watch, especially over the years to come, already showing some incredible sort of form. Yeah, what do you make of his decision not to go to the World Tour Academy? Because I, I published an article on it during the week. Um, I don't know if you saw it or not, but um, he's opted to instead stay with Avanti and do his training here, whereas, you know, almost everyone else, um, you know, that's offered a spot on the World Tour Academy goes over there and takes that opportunity. Yeah, I did notice that he'd made the decision to stick with Avanti, and um, I think it's actually a really, really good decision by Chris. He's he's obviously weighed up his options there, and and um, there's no doubt that Avanti have got an incredible amount of great race starts that Chris will have the opportunity to uh, to race in many UCI races, get some points on the board. He's got a good team around him. They'll have some great opportunities there. Uh, obviously, the World Tour Academy is another is is it's a nice thing. It's a hard thing to turn up like with the Australian sort of prestige on it, to turn that up and say, no, nah, I'm going to stick with Avanti is sort of a hard thing to do, especially when you're a young rider and that can sort of be a bit of the, the, the hallowed goal to try and get across to the World Tour Academy. But to have that sort of offer there and then decide to stick with Avanti is, is a brave move, but one that I think is actually will probably play out really well for him. It's got a, yeah, I, I can see that he's got some great support there and by no means is he shooting himself in the foot. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the individual, I guess. And, you know, Chris Hamilton's, as you said, it's a great setup there at Avanti and he'll feel a lot more comfortable training in Australia, I think, than maybe going overseas. Problem is, it's a very different scene racing in Europe. So whilst he might be, you know, getting the numbers and doing that stuff, I think it's more race experience he needs because um, we've all seen he's got amazing ability. But it's just a matter of... Um, Using you know using that uh, physiological capability he's got and then applying that to to races as well and you know 
maybe maybe he's going to miss out a bit on a bit of experience going over to the not going over to the World Tour Academy, but um, no, we we shall we shall see. Time shall tell. Okay, well, stage three now, and uh, it was Joel Walsh from GPM Stoltz who took out the the win there. Good a good week for GPM Stoltz. They had Sam Hill kind of up there on the GC as well, so yeah, they did a good job. And uh, it was Raf uh, Frystein, the Raf the Kaiser. A lot of people call him. He's a he took second there in that sprint, and yeah, Neil Vanderplug jumped in there for third. Um, our very own breakdown podcast, Neil. So, uh, yeah, what, what was what was his um, reaction to to that stage there? Well, that's an interesting one. That stage was really good because Neil actually had the Shimano camera on for that stage, and I actually have watched managed to watch the last uh, five kilometers that he had there. And you watch him; he he chose to stick with Raf. Uh, probably about the four kilometres out, you see him stick to that wheel and he, he says he just decided, look, I'm going to uh, put my biggies in this basket and follow. And uh, he said he actually sort of shut down thinking a bit after that and sort of just followed the wheel. And in the footage, it's interesting to watch because when they finally, when he finally steps out to try and come around Raf, uh, you notice that the GPM rider, Joe's, he's already gone and uh, almost crossed the line at this stage. So he must have hit, unfortunately, with the camera view, you can't actually see when he goes. But he must have hit rather early, caught him by a bit of surprise and taken out a very nice little win there. Yeah, well, good on him. Um, yeah, and if you want to take a look at Neil's videos, he did a he did another one where he was interviewing the the rest of the Avanti team who, who didn't look especially thrilled about it, but they answered his questions. So, yeah, if you want to take a, check out those videos, um, you probably find him on Facebook, probably the, bit, probably the easiest. And, yeah, just go check them out, give them a bit of support. Um, actually, actually, is it under the what's on in the Peloton thing? We should give you guys a wrap as well at this point. Oh, thank you. Yeah, if you head across to the what's on the Peloton on the Facebook or even on YouTube, I think Neil's been putting a few of the videos up on there. So, yeah, he's uh, he actually today was heading out before before leaving to Taiwan. He was heading out with the camera to do some cornering. So there's going to be a bit of a video coming up on how to do some some good cornering and, and hopping gutters and things like that. So he's uh, quite excited and heading off into the... You often just hear him talking. You think he's talking to himself. And next thing you turn around the corner, he's got the little camera there and he's doing a little bit of a preview for his next, uh, his next little uh, task. Yeah, well, you two have got a good thing going on there. I mean, you did a bunch of speeches last year, didn't you, to cycling clubs and stuff, and now you're expanding into more videos. Yeah, we started last year. We decided to put on, just in our local town, Albury, we decided to do a night to sort of explain to some of the people that are interested in cycling, watching the Tour de France, to give them a bit more of an insight into the sport, to explain where our teams, continental teams, fitted in the world of cycling. And, yeah, to give them a bit also, we had some Wahoo trainers so they get a chance to get up on the bike and feel what it's like uh, to, to hold certain watts at certain stages. And then I also share a bit of my story with anxiety and depression on the night as well. And we tried to raise some money for uh, Headspace for the one in, in Albury. And, yeah, so we sort of had that opportunity. And then from there, we decided, oh, we quite enjoy doing this. So we've done a few more nights and we've got some more coming up and also have moved into doing some some videos and other bits and pieces uh, as we go. So it's quite a bit of fun and hopefully it continues on for a bit. Yeah, well, good luck with all of that and certainly certainly worthy cause to donating to Headspace. So may it continue. Uh, yeah, we'll jump into the women's tour of e-skips now. A bit of a disappointing field. There are only 30, uh, 32 riders on the start line here, I think. And... Um, it was uh, Leeson Hoskins, Hawkins, Leeson Hawkins, who um, looked very strong, and she would have run won the race, but she had an unfortunate mechanical in the on the third stage there, which um, took her out, and she you know, she 
wasn't able to go for the win. And in the end, it was the overall going to Christy Glover from Bike, Bear, uh, Bike Bug Next Gen, who, you know, were the dominant team in the race with the number of people in the top five there. So, yeah, Christy Glover, she took the win there from Harriet Smith and Rachel Ward overall. It was it, it appeared to be from the outside that um Leeson Hawkins is, you know, a really good a really good talent. She's um she's a doctor by trade and she's only recently got in into cycling at an elite level, but she's just taken it by storm. She's she did really well at nationals and you know, I didn't know who she was and I don't think most of the journalists would have known who she was there. But yeah, she finished in that um in that first main group and she looked yeah, she looked really good. So a name to watch out for when you when you're racing in the future. Do you know you you follow the the women's scene much, Tim? Uh, I follow it a little bit, yeah. So I'm just thinking it's quite nice there to hear uh, you say that it's disappointing to have a field of 30. So it's interesting that that has now become something there. We're thinking number of 30 is not many women to race. It's not many years ago that that was sort of we were thinking, yeah, look, 30 field of 30, that's great. So. To have you say, you know, it's a disappointment to see only 30 riders is is a testament to show how much the sport has come along for, for the women. And, yeah, so, it, yeah, it is a bit sad to see that, but it's also quite exciting to think that we've grown to expect so much more out of the sport. Yeah, well, there was the there was the B grade and the C grade as well, but um, in the A grade... Um... It was yeah, it was just the just the thirty two, I think. Um, and we're and we're more used to the seeing the seventy, the eighty, that sort of numbers around the May. Well, I suppose the major races, but which Tour of East Gippsland, it's just a VRS event. But yeah, you expect the VRS events to to draw a decent crowd as well. There. So anyway, we'll hopefully we'll see plenty more of w- women out there racing because they do a really good job. Oh, I think we'll move on to now to the next uh, segment where we'll just you know we'll just chat about some topics in Australian cycling at the moment. And we're back, and we're just going to talk about a few topics. We should probably come up with a, a title for this: um, talking, talking cycling. Who knows? It, it's a work in progress, so we'll come up with a name as we see fit. Um, we'll start off with performances of Aussies overseas. Um, obviously, been a been a busy week, a busy week of cycling. Uh, there was the start of the Spring Classics overseas, and there's been plenty of Asian racing on, with you know Tour of Filipinas and Tour of Langkawi. And it's been, you know, very interesting to really kick off that that season. I mean, uh, of course, we've got the Aussie racing season, but now it goes overseas as well, and we see Australia's competing overseas. So, Tim, how did you find Tour of Filipinas and um, would, and the Aussies that went well there? I know Jesse Ewart um, took fourth overall, and yourself winning the stage. Who who was the standout apart from apart from you, of course? Uh, well, I think with the Australian riders, we had uh, we had quite a few guys that were going quite well. So even on the Oliver's Real Foods, they had Logan Griffin, and he actually, although not coming away with any actual podium results, he was seventh on one stage. But there's uh, on the fourth stage, he was away in a breakaway for an exceptionally long time. So he's actually a New Zealander um, mm. from the Australian team. Uh, yeah, so he was going exceptionally well for them. And then, as you've said, Jesse Ewart, he took a third on the second stage. Uh, and he managed to get into a breakaway, a small breakaway there, and, and ended up holding on to fourth, I believe, in the end. He slipped down uh, from third into fourth overall. So he had a great race as well. So they're probably the two uh, from the from our end of the world that uh, have gone exceptionally well over there, uh, apart, obviously, from the attacking team, Gusso, with Guy Karma getting a second and Cam Bailey also getting a second. Yeah, massive kudos to those guys. Um, we, we claim the New Zealanders when they do well enough, I think. So 
We'll we'll wait until Logan jumps on a podium somewhere, then we'll start claiming him. Uh, we've had Sam Lazell, who's the manager of um, Oliver the Real Foods Racing, on the podcast before, and yeah, he was he's been singing Logan's praises for quite a while now, and I'll be expecting him to go well quite quite soon. And uh, they're off to Tour of Sarawak next next, I think. So there'll be one to keep an eye on if you like following the Australian teams in Asian races. Um, you had much to much to do with other. Oh, you haven't done the other Asian races before, had you, Tim? We we, talk, we talked about this earlier. Uh, the first Asian race I've done, I've never done one before, and that was the Tour of Annan back in two thousand and eight. So quite a while ago. <laughs> the difference between that and the Philippines is the Philippines. The first stage they actually ended up having to uh, neutralise the stage, and uh, the Philippines is definitely it can be a little bit crazier. So on the first stage, they started on some busy roads and. Uh, there was tuk-tuks pulling out and jeepneys and all kinds of crazy names these vehicles have. Tuk-tuks and jeepneys, like they're not the kinds of things you want to run into. You're not really sure what they are, let alone like wanting to run into them. So they're going all over the place. They had some steel school barriers. So here we have just a nice set of lights to sort of warn you that you're in a school zone. There they pull a steel barrier halfway across the road and then 10 metres behind it, they pull another steel barrier halfway across the other side of the road. But for the racing, they didn't move. So we just sort of had to weave in and out and you didn't know when they were coming. You're like, whoop, 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 barriers, barriers, barriers. Try to get through nice and safely. On the first day, it ended up coming to a section where the traffic was actually banked up on both sides of the road. And some of the Filipino riders, they just, their eyes lit up. They saw an opportunity and were attacking down the centre. And other riders were going around the outside into the dirt and chopping back in front of the, in front of some cars to try and get into the middle in front of the Filipino riders and keep racing. It uh, wasn't until there was a crash and the, the commissaires managed to get up to them and say, look, the race is off. But that stage uh, sort of died down and that was the end of it. We all rolled to the finish. But uh, after that, we got into some country roads for the rest of the stages. And once we hit that, it was a pretty spectacular and quite nice place to ride. But uh, early on, there was a few yeah, few tense moments and, and I had quite a, quite a few fears. Well, justified from the sound of things. I saw some of the pictures from the day and it was just gridlock from what I could see and it didn't look pleasant. Well, I mean, yeah, how do you race in those sort of conditions? It's, it, it's like being a bike messenger or something. Exactly. I think it's very much like being a bike messenger. Uh, to be honest, I think it's hard to race in those conditions. Uh, you, you're so on edge about worrying about what's going on in the race in the first place to let alone then have to be worrying about whether we've got uh, cars coming in from the side. I mean, the motorbike at one of the stages was weaving from side to side like you can imagine a V8 supercar does to warm up their tyres. And he was doing that to sort of uh, ward any traffic coming the other way to sort of give us... That was the way of giving us a clear window, was to sort of weave from side to side to make enough room for the peloton to sort of come through. And um, so in those situations, racing is... You're more so... I think it's survival rather than racing. Your race is on just to get through that section alive. Uh, and obviously, the further up the bunch you are, the better. It's always said, the closer to the front, the better you are. I got caught down the back a few times, and you cannot see. And if you want to sort of move yourself over to the right or the left-hand side of the road to see around and move up, you can't really do it because there could be anything when you look out. You'll look out and you'll see a motorbike just about to pull out, or you'll see that there's roads, there's signs, there's everything, there's things going on. So I think rather than learning how to race in those situations. It's learning how to survive and learning when it's just too much and perhaps uh, calling it. I'm glad the commissaires eventually saw sense there. I mean, it sounds, you know, that, that it was incredibly dangerous. Um, oh, well, well, we'll move on. And uh, it was the start of the classic season over in, over in Europe and 
there are quite a few Australians. Australians don't really do so well in the sort of cobbly races. I mean, Stuart Grady's winning the Paris-Roubaix was very much the exception. But apart from that, you see Heinrich Hausler pop up occasionally and he, he'll, he'll be up there in the top 10, top 15, that sort of thing. But it's been a while since he was really a force in the classics. And so it's probably best, best that we look over to the women to to get some results for us. I mean, Gracie Elvin did a great job on the weekend. She was she was in the key break with Lizzie Armistead. And um, obviously you don't work with the world champion when you're in the break with her. So she was kind of sitting on the wheel. And then apparently they almost came to a standstill at one point. The cameras weren't on them at that, at that stage. And then Lizzie just went bang, went away from her. And unfortunately, Gracie um, faded a bit to finish off the front bunch. But then again, then she bounced back the next day, did exactly the same thing, went away with a with another rider um, whose name escapes me at the moment, but another young, another young rider who they went on a long break with and she showed up well again. I mean, didn't hang on for the win, win there, unfortunately, but you know, you get out there, you fly the flag and you, you do what you can in these, in these cobble braces. And it's best to be out the front, I think, in a lot of cases. Timmy, you, you, you've been on the cobbles or the classics uh, style races before? Now, I've only done a little bit of racing in Italy as a junior and uh, there wasn't too many opportunities. Only one cobbled climb, I think, in the whole time I was over there. So that's the closest I got. And just that little experience, you know that it's something uh, that would be very, very sort of tiring to ride on. And as you said, Gracie Elvin, never afraid to throw herself into the race and really have a crack. So especially in women's cycling for Australia, she's a great one to watch. Very um, knows how to sort of animate a race and really make it uh, exciting. Yeah, well, more power to them. And uh, Lauren Kitchen, she's another one who might sneak a result sometime. Keep an eye out for her. She's a very strong cyclist in, in lots of lots of ways. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be at all surprised if she snagged a victory at some stage. Okay, um, we'll move on. And over the past week, the World Tour Academy was announced and it was pretty much the names that you would expect, minus Chris Hamilton, who we've talked about. But um, Lucas Hamilton, um, no relation to Chris, uh, but he took second in that uh, under twenty three title for Australia, and yeah, he looks he looks to be the pick of the bunch there. I've 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 known I've known him for quite a while now, and he's incredibly dedicated, and of course, incredibly talented as well as he showed last year in the NRS. I mean, Tim, you you've raced up and close up close and personal with him. Yeah, he's definitely a very classy rider and he'll have some great opportunities over with the World Tour Academy and look forward to seeing uh, yeah, what he does with that opportunity. So, other names in the World Tour Academy. I mean, we had Ben O'Connor who won the New Zealand Cycle Classic and he was third in the under-23 TT at Nationals. Uh, Michael Storer, who looks to be a really exciting young talent. He's he's only 18, I think, but he'll, he'll be a superstar in the future. I mean, just looking at what he's done already. Callum Scottson, obviously massive powerhouse, along with Dan Fitter, who, and both of them will probably be looking to balance track and um, track and road ambitions at this stage, but there'll be, you know, certainly n- names to look forward to. Uh, Rowan White from South Australia, who's, you know, another track track cyclist, got a couple of world titles, I think, in the juniors. Uh, Sam Sam Jenner from New South Wales, he's making a big step up from after a few years on the track. And uh, Jay Hindley, who's a teammate of yours at a tacky team Gusto, Tim, um, along with Alistair Donoghue, who's another teammate. So, you know, there's a, mass- a, l- a lot of really promising names in there, and certainly riders will be looking forward to seeing in the future. Do you have anyone in particular that you know out of that list, Tim? 
Well, uh, I've obviously had personal experience with both uh, Alastair Donahue and Jai Hindley. They're both raced with the attacking team Gusto. So, um, yeah, uh, Alastair's been riding with the Search to Retain team for many years. So I've known him throughout throughout those times. And he's definitely a rider who likes to uh, take opportunities in the sprints, but also can climb. So he's he's a great rider across the board. And obviously, he's got his uh, his paracycling commitments there as well. So. He's uh, quite a versatile athlete and always on the go. If you're talking to Alistair, he's, uh, he's, all, he's off to South Africa, he's off to Europe, he's back in Australia for half a day, and then he's back on the plane again. So Alistair's just always on the go, and he seems to be one of these riders that can handle it. Some riders seem to really bog down with all the travel and things. Alistair thrives on it. He loves being in the new countries. He's, he loves his food, so any t- opportunity he gets to taste something new, he's right on it. And we also have Jai Hindley. Now, I hadn't come across Jai. I'd heard before he came onto the team that he's this great rider and this great uh, climber who could potentially uh, win the under-23 nationals at some stage and uh, only managed to actually meet him in our little uh, team camp in Shanghai at the start of the year and then raced with him at Cadell Evans Race and the Sun Tour and was very, very impressed with Jai. Jai's got a huge future ahead. He trains the house down, but he also has uh, quite a lot of form in there. So I think he was just just slightly under sort of the shadow of these Hamiltons. And uh, and I think uh, that's that's possibly a good thing for him. He gets to hide a little bit. But in the future, you can definitely expect to see Jai do some some great, great rides. So the Sun Tour, he was always just there, hanging with the bunches, climbing very well. And uh, also, Cadell Evans race, finishing that. Uh, he was the best rider for us. So he's, he's definitely got a very bright future. Yeah, and I think it was his performances over the summer which um, really convinced um, the selectors to put him in because he wasn't he wasn't on the radar coming into the coming in at the start of the uh, the start of the season um, from what I heard. So you know what he his performances over this summer really uh, you know put him in the frame for that for that sort of thing. Okay, um, well I suppose we'll move on to the to the women's national development team now and. It's, uh, we saw the announcement of the High Five National Development Team uh, this weekend with um, a number of interesting riders in there. We've got uh, Kimberly Wells, who's coming, she's going to be loaned back from Colavita Bianchi, her team in the US, and she's obviously a great sprinter. She'll, she'll be one to really light it up on those, on those flat stages. Um, the Shannon Malseed, who's the 2015 under 23 road race champion, um, she's She's a bit more powerful cyclist and she's a really, really interesting person to talk to. I've only, only talked to her once, but she's really enthusiastic, which is what, what I really like about um, cyclists when they've really got a passion for the sport. Um, and who else? We've got Janelle Crooks. She's very talented uh, climber type. Uh, Jessica Allen, who's making a comeback into the sport of, of sorts. She, she's, she took a few years off the bike, I think, and she's kind of bouncing around between melbourne and wa but she appears to have settled down a bit now and now she's back on the high five team and of course the amy gillette foundation scholarship holder uh, louisa lobiggs who yeah, did a did a very good nationals where she was i think she was fifth in the sixth in the time trial and then she backed it up with a good performance in the road race where she was in the break for um, pretty much the whole day with uh, sarah sarah roy actually so yeah, so she showed herself to be to be a really good performer, and yeah, should complement the team well. Uh, the sixth rider in that squad will be, you know, I bring in essentially from uh, one of the one of the bigger teams over there. So last year, I think it was Lauren Rowney. He did it a bunch of times, and um, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Tiff Cromwell might have done it as well. Um, what do you think of that t- team, Tim? Looks uh, sounds pretty good. Yeah, definitely sounds like a pretty good team. It's exciting to see the Australian uh, women's program sort of managing to kick along. Uh, it'll be great to to watch some of these races. And uh, like you said, there's a few names in there that have been around the sport for a few years now. So there's quite a fair bit of experience. Uh, as you said, uh, some people that have stepped out for a little while and building back into the sport. So I think it's always good to grab a bit of the story. And that's, that's the great thing about this uh, women's team. There's quite a few different characters in there all great riders but also with some interesting stories and their education and their way of getting back into the sport or carrying through so always good to to have that a great scope especially in the women's cycling and have something that's the media in general can sort of really get in on board see the results but then also get a bit of the, the characters behind like the enthusiasm as you're saying it's great to see the enthusiasm and what a great bunch of uh, women to represent the country and to yeah continue to raise the profile of uh, cycling for women in Australia. Yeah, well, there's another doctor in that team there, of course, Dr. Kimberly yeah. Wells. We're talking about Dr. Leeson Hawkins earlier. And um, yeah, I mean, it's good to talk about the women because they've got lives outside of cycling a lot of a lot of the time. I mean, I can't think of any men who are who are doctors. Can you off the top of your head, Tim? Oh, look, unfortunately, I can't. I'd like to sort of stick it up for us a little bit there, but. <laughs> I don't think we've quite got it cut. No, well, you know, the women obviously have to support themselves a lot more. So they go into, you know, doing doing full, fully fledged careers and education before they get into cycling in a lot of cases. As as Kate Perry, our very own breakdown podcasts, Kate Perry, she she took um she did a masters and in exercise physiology. She's she's going to be angry that I don't know exactly what she did for her masters, but it was. But a very, you know, a very accomplished person and you have to, I mean, and who opted to say, you know, no, I'm going to do my education first before concentrating on, on cycling to the best of my ability. So you've got to respect that in, in the female athletes who opt to go that path. Oh yeah. There, there were a few names who might've missed out there. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I would have changed anyone in particular. I mean, who would you kick out of that squad? I mean, I wouldn't choose to kick anyone out, but um Riders like um, Ainsley Backer, who, you know, friend of the podcast, big fan of hers. Um, Georgia Baker, I mean, presumably she's on track for Rio, so that's why they didn't want to um, dis- disrupt her disrupt her preparations. So, yeah, I mean, there's maybe a few a few tweaks you could have made, um, but I think it's a very strong squad from what we can from what what we can see. Okay, well, we'll wrap it up for today uh, here. Uh, Tim, what do you what's next on the next on the platter for you uh, next on the platter for me is just a little bit of training over the next little while and hopefully uh we're waiting to see whether we can get a start in the tour of thailand and then uh, perhaps going over to europe for a little block so the exciting times ahead so it's just a little bit of training and waiting to see exactly what it is that unfolds uh for the next little section whatever it is it looks like it's going to be exciting but we're just waiting confirmation on all of them uh, well, thank you for joining us um, and covering for our absentee, you know, other other podcasters. So, yeah, hopefully have you back on some other time if we if we get uh, problems with the lineup again. No worries. Thanks for having me on board. Sorry again for the absentee, Neil Vanderplug and Kate Perry, but we shall be back to normal transmission shortly. And if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, you can. Go on Twitter and find us at Breakdown Pod. You can go on Facebook and find us at the Breakdown Podcast. Or you can email us 
uh, email the show on breakdown podcast or one word at gmail.com so yeah look forward to seeing you next time and hope to catch you around see ya